Donald Trump is the manifestation of the logic of white supremacy. Mm. As crazy as Donald Trump is, as insane as he may indeed literally be, what's even more interesting and arresting but difficult to talk about and white privilege prevents people from understanding this, especially white brothers and sisters, Donald Trump is not an aberration from collective whiteness. He is its fulfillment. Y'all remember that song, Racks on Racks? Like the first real mumble rap song ever? Remember, you know, the song by, uh, what's the guy's name? YC, I think his name was. And Future, that was before y'all really knew who Future was. I mean, Future was out before that, but y'all ain't really know who Future was. What's good? We back for another episode of the regular podcast. It's your boy, as they used to say in my era. You know, back in my era, in the early 2000s, anytime you was being recorded, the first thing you say is either it's your boy or it's your girl, if you're a female, or, hey, man, what's up? Y'all know who it is or y'all already know who it is when really nobody knows who you are. But that's just how we used to introduce ourselves back in them days, if you was being recorded. It's, it's uh, weird because you only did that when you was being recorded. Like people could be, you could be in a group of big people, a big group of people having a full-blown convo, somebody could come through with a camera, an hour later, you start acting like you reintroducing yourself to it, you know. And this is before really, like, YouTube was really popping like that. We was using YouTube, but it wasn't popping for you to be thinking you was introducing yourself to the world. Anyway, how y'all doing? My week is cool, of course. Today is Wednesday, so I'm going to drop the podcast tonight. But it's Wednesday right now, uh, and I'm just chilling. You know, like a villain and all that. Just got off of work. It's hot outside. I work in Atlanta. I actually work across the street from a waste management dump, like the city dump for waste management. So you can imagine what it smells like outside of my job. Inside of my job, being that I work for a commercial HVAC company, they know how to properly filter the air. So when you go in the building, you can't smell it at all, which is weird that they're able to filter that amount of, like if you know about with the Navy, CHT. They're, they're able to filter that amount of bad air out by the time it gets to our noses. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, I'm chilling, y'all. You know, uh, Shay got me this this watch. It's a um, Samsung smartwatch. It's a Samsung smartwatch. And, um, you know, she want me to track, not that she wants me to track my steps, but she just think it's a cool idea. So I'm looking at my steps and my steps are nowhere near her. She had the Fitbit and she was like, yo, I hit 10,000 steps today. I haven't cracked 3,000 yet since I had to watch. Like, I don't walk, I don't walk around that much. My job is at my desk. I'm at the desk taking phone calls or emailing or buying and selling. Like, that's what I do at work. <clears throat> so I don't do no walking. And then, like I said, it's hot as hell outside. So when I go out there, I'm going straight to the vehicle and I'm driving away. So I don't really do a lot of walking. But uh, yeah, so I got the Samsung Gear 3. It's a cool watch, though. You know, the watch face look like a real watch to me. And I, you know, I can get my text messages and all that. I don't really do anything on it, but use the, the fitness side of it. So um, the thing is always vibrating, telling me to get up and shit. Like, come on, relax. Yeah, you know I mean, relax. How y'all been? Y'all cooling? I'm also reading 
well, I think I told y'all before I started reading Damon John's book, but it was too elementary. It was hard to focus on. I can't just read anything. So uh, it was a little bit too elementary. But I came back to it because I was like, let me just let me just give it to you. So I'm, I'm back into it. You know, I'm, I'm at the Catherine Zeta-Jones part of the book right now. It's a good book once you get past the repetitious nature of the self-helpness, you know. But, you know, it's cool. I've been chilling. I got a quick question for y'all. You know, we'll get back to it at the end of the podcast. Just just think about it and then we'll get back to it. What is the opposite of fast? Like, you know, if somebody's running fast, what's the opposite of fast? All right. That's just a question I wanted to get to y'all. And then I'll get back to it later on. Now, I don't know if, it, like I said, it's Wednesday. Donald Glover just dropped two new songs on a on a little tiny EP called Summer Pack. The first song is called, like... The first song is called Summertime. I think, let me pull it. First time is called Summertime Magic. Second song is called Feels Like Summer. Now, the first song, Summertime Magic, is cool, but Feels Like Magic. I listened to it from 3.35 until I got off of work at 4 o'clock. I put it on repeat. I listened to it. It's a, let me see how long it is. It's a four minute and 57 second song. I put it on at 3.30 and I repeated it until four o'clock like that that's my type of vibe it made it to my playlist immediately like i like that you know it's not the most upbeat song actually it's kind of smooth vibe on it but i love it i listened to it a bunch of times like just now it's a great song man um i just got a couple of random random things i want to get into with y'all today you know um one thing that I heard this week that was pretty interesting to me, it, the, the beat maker Zaytoven, and I'm sure y'all been on social media, so y'all probably heard it. The beat maker Zaytoven said that he was cutting hair in a local barbershop in Atlanta all the way until Versace, till he made the beat for Versace. You know the Migos song Versace that came out in 2013? Like, we all know who Zaytoven is. Especially, like, I was, I opened up the podcast talking about my era. Zaytoven comes from my era. We talking about, I think, I mean, he, of course, he'd been making beats for a long time, but the first big song was So Icy, the one that went national. And that was, like, 04. So the fact that Zaytoven was cutting hair in a bar, like, you know, just regular barbershop, cutting hair, for another nine years after he made So Icy. And plus he made a whole bunch of other stuff. But he made So Icy in 2004 and was cutting hair until Versace. That's baffling me, baffling to me. And he said his reasoning was because the way he was raised, he just always felt like he needed to have a job. He needed to get up in the morning and go to work because he was raised in a military family. And he's just regimented like that. And he felt like... He, he wouldn't feel right unless he got up in the morning and went to work. Not saying it had to be a job, but he had to go work. And he didn't really trust the beat making thing or production thing as a viable means to make continual income. A.K.A. he wasn't confident that it would be able to sustain his life. So the man just was like uh, he was just going to work at a barbershop. 
And I took that and I said, dang, that's interesting. And I, you know, I see some other people saying, yo, what? Because I'm shocked by something like that, especially with the way, I mean, in the hood, Zaytoven is a big deal. But I guess to himself, he didn't really feel like a big deal, I guess. I don't know. But I honestly didn't know what he looked like, though, until recently, maybe last year. So even if I would have saw him at a barbershop, I wouldn't have known who he was anyway before Versace came out. But I'm thinking about him like, damn, this this black man really felt like he couldn't get, even as a successful beat maker, he felt like he couldn't get out here and just focus his energy on that. And he's getting major checks. Like he said for the... Uh, the Gucci man joint, he got a 20, like his first big check was $25,000. And you know, a lot of people, if they make a, a you know, this is 25000 off of royalties from a song in 2004. If they making beats, they're going to quit whatever they're doing and focus on that full blown. Now, you know, 25000 is not enough to quit your job. But if you are a beat maker, you're thinking 25000 at one time. I'll quit and focus on this fully, but he didn't do it. And then he said he produced the number one hit for Usher and got a $100,000 check, still didn't quit. So I'm like, man, that, that really made me think, though, of how insecure black people are in the workforce, in the labor force as a whole in America. Because you hear a lot of times where, <clears throat> excuse me, you hear a lot of times where uh, more, you know, professional career black people black workers feel like we get underpaid feel like we get undervalued in the workplace and underappreciated and i think it's mainly because the larger society they know how insecure we are as workers meaning if we are being treated unfairly or undervalued or unappreciated on our job we're not just going to leave because in our in our minds and our hearts, we feel like we can't go and get another job easily, even though we know how valuable we are. We know how good of a worker we are. We know how skilled we are. We are not confident that we can go out and make the same money or make more money if we just quit and leave. Like a lot of people, a lot of times we hear a lot of business. I don't know if y'all watch like Shark Tank or anything like that, where you hear success stories about business owners. A lot of them say, yeah, I was a lawyer and I quit that because I wanted to follow my dreams of being an entrepreneur. A lot of black people don't have that kind of story. We don't just quit our jobs to go follow a dream. And the reason is like what Zaytoven said, because I feel like you as a black person, not a lot of people probably feel like this, but mainly us, because you've seen this man was getting a lot of money, millions of dollars, and he wouldn't quit. Right. We get in these positions and we feel like. It's not even that we're comfortable. We are not confident enough to go out on a limb and either invest in ourselves or invest our time in pursuing an occupation or a workplace that will properly value us and pay us accordingly. You know, look at what Jesus and Merrill just did. All right, now this is this is this is not even off track, really. Jesus and Merrill, <clears throat> y'all, you know this show. They had a show on Vice, right? And they felt like, well, this didn't come out beforehand, but let's just say they went and got um, a contract with Showtime and supposedly they're getting a lot more money. They're on a primetime network now and they will be paid to do, a, you know, similar to what they've been doing, but just with more backing from the company who they work for. They said Vice, they left Vice and Vice is mad at them now 
because they just went over to, to over the showtime and and Deezus and Mero saying y'all was trying to overwork us and y'all wasn't trying to pay us. We didn't have a team of writers. We didn't have uh we weren't being paid like we should have and y'all wanted us to do a whole bunch of shows at one time. So what they did was they quit their job. Not that they quit, but they let the contract expire and they went and worked somewhere else. A lot of black people in the what we would call normal workforce do not feel confident in that. Confident enough to do that. Right? So if I'm at a job and I'm working $15 an hour and I'm feeling like, damn, man, this job is trash. They don't want to approve my vacation. They don't want to pay me more. I've been working here for four years. I've been making the same pay for four years. I need to go somewhere else. Normally what a person would do, not normally, but the people who feel confident, they would just quit and go find another job. Or they'll feel confident that they can find a job immediately once they feel unhappy. We don't do that. A lot of times you'll see older black people working jobs that they have been working since they've been 30 years old. They'd be about 40, 50, not 40, but they'd probably be about 50 or 60 years old. And they're like, yeah, I've been, I've been here 30 years. And you look at the position that they work in. And, and I'm talking about people that don't have degrees right now. You look at the position that they work in and you're like, how have you been this for, 40, for, for 30 years? How? How did you not move up? These people, how's your manager that much younger than you? How is it possible that you have a 30-year-old manager and you're 60? You, you taught him the job. When he got hired, you taught him everything he needed to know. Why aren't you the manager? We see that a lot. Why do we see it a lot? We see it a lot because of lack of confidence and insecurity. And that, I don't know if I took, if I went too deep in it, but that's how it took Zaytoven not quitting his, his job as a barber. And really, as a barber, you don't really have to quit. You can continue cutting hair. You don't have to go to a barbershop every day to cut hair, though. You can cut hair out the house. You could be like, oh, let me just open my own barbershop. He didn't do it. He kept going to work at a barbershop. Like, to me, that was just like shocking, man. And, you know, that kind of segues me into or helps me transition into this this information, man, where the economy and financial news sites and, and people who report on business news, they're talking about America is dealing with labor, a labor shortage right now. And if y'all know what a labor shortage is, it means... We have too many jobs and we don't have enough people that want to fill the jobs. Now, this CNBC article, the U.S. labor shortage, this is the headline. The U.S. labor shortage is reaching a critical point. Now, I mean, like when I see stuff like this, I'm just like, yo, what are these people doing right now? Because I, I get effed up about this stuff because I'm thinking, I just think about all the people in prison, man. When I, see stupid, when I see stupid shit like this, I'm thinking like all the people in prison. People commit crimes because of lack of opportunity for the most part. There are some people who are born, you know, we can look into the neurology of it. Some people are born that have certain lesions in their brain, on the brain, that cause them to not follow rules. That's some people. So that means they're hardwired to whatever the rule is, they're not going to do it. All right. That's only a few people. Most, the vast majority of people are committing crimes related to financial lack or poverty. Right. So then when, when they sitting in prison with these ridiculous sentences right now, a lot of them, 
because they stole something or they were selling weed or they were selling crack or pills or heroin or whatever it is. Because don't act like selling weed, like, oh, no, weed, people with, that sold weed should be let out. And then the people that sold these other drugs shouldn't be let out. They should all be let out because they committed financial crimes. You understand? Don't just be on some, oh, just the weed people, the crack people, y'all can stay. The heroin people, y'all can stay. Like, that's stupid. So any of these people who, who committed a financial crime, even people that broke into somebody's house or stole from a store, and they have excessive sentences, all these people sitting in prison, <clears throat> excuse me, and they have to watch the news because, yes, they have TVs and cable in there. They have to watch the news and listen to uh, CBS and TNT, not TNT, CBS and NBC and CNBC, MSNBC talk about how America has all these six million jobs available, and we don't, we just can't find anyone to fill these jobs. Guess what else they did? They took colleges out of a lot of prisons, also. So now you can't even come home and get a degree, which a lot of these jobs are requiring to get in the jo- in the door. Anyway, so we have to, I, you know, I get sickened. I get sickened when I look at this news and it's talking about we have America's is dealing with a, a labor shortage right now. And they take they're kind of bragging when they say that because they're saying we have put so many people to work. We put so many people to work and we have created so many jobs. Now we have a crisis. We are at a critical point. Small businesses can't grow because they can't find anybody to work for them. Wages are being driven up because people are trying to compete for workers. No, people aren't trying to compete for the job. Employers are trying to compete for workers. They're painting this narrative all over the news right now. It's garbage. Because black people in a now I'm not gonna say it's garbage. For the people reporting it, it's great for them because their communities are doing great right now. Their their businesses that they have right now making plenty of money because the economy is doing good right now. So, of course, they're going to brag on it, but I need my people to look at this in another way. Yes, I have a job. I'm not speaking about myself. See, this is another thing I'm going to get into in a little bit. What I'm, what I'm saying is I'm thinking about all the people behind them cages, behind them big, thick-ass metal doors that slide at night at, at 6 p.m. some places, at 9 p.m. some places, and don't open back up until 6 a.m., I'm thinking about them people. You understand? Because a lot of them are in there because of lack of jobs. You understand? NAFTA and the crime bill of 94 happened at the same damn time. Y'all remember Future Song. Not not saying that they happened at the same time. They happened in the same era. They happened in the same stretch of time. If we want to talk about economic epochs, we will look at the crime bill of 94 and NAFTA in the same window. That is not an accident. A lot of those people that went to prison back then for committing financial crimes, a.k.a. selling a narcotic without a license. A lot of those people are still in prison now or they're just getting out and they're unemployable. Or they're stuck in there because there's no parole because in 94, a lot of states abolished parole and the federal government abolished abolished parole. So now they're just stuck there because they committed a financial crime. Now Now the economy is having a celebration right now talking about some labor shortage. Now, they just they just reported. Okay, let me see. I'll read this one sentence. The difficulty employers are having finding qualified employees to fill a record 6.7 million job openings. 
How many black people y'all think in prison right now? I'll tell I'll give you an estimate. It's it's over one million. Now, when I say in prison, that means that they're in state correctional facilities. That's not counting all the people in local jails that haven't been convicted. It's not counting the people in local jails, period. It's only counting the people in state facilities, over a million. There's way more people on probation than in local jails. So, 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 now, that's one thing. And then the, dang this, I want to read out loud this thing. Okay, so. Now, while they are saying that, you know, this unemployment is at, uh, you know, we're, we're at low, you know, the June unemployment numbers came in and we're at 4%. They pretty much consider that full employment. That means when, when they look at macroeconomics, we are doing amazingly right now, which is funny because a lot of places that have been poor are still poor, but I guess they don't care about that. So when we look at the white overall white unemployment and this is for everybody 16 years old and over white unemployment as a whole 3.7% right and this is from the bureau of labor statistics website you can go there i'm not making this up um okay black unemployment overall june 2018 6.6% now, let's let's do some numbers real quick. 3.7% is the white unemployment. 6.6% is the black unemployment. So, the black unemployment is almost double. Because double white employment would be, what, 7.4? We are at 6.6. We're almost double the white unemployment. Now, the reason they like to give the um, the numbers... And they want to give this one number, this single number for the entire economy. And really, it's only based on the people who are participating in the job force, meaning you have a job or you're looking for a job or, yeah, yeah, either you have a job or you're looking for a job, meaning you're filling out applications and things like that actively. They only count those people. They do not count people in prison. If you take those million people out of prisons and local jails, it would be, probably be about four, three million in prison, not three million. It'd probably be about two million in prisons and local jails. If you took all those people out and you added them to, because they don't have jobs right now, our unemployment rate would would go way up. Let me see. Our unemployment rate would go, would almost, it would double. So that means the true unemployment is really around twelve. 12% or more because of the amount of people we have in prison. You understand? One, one fortieth of our population is in state facilities, not part of the labor force. So I'm, I'm saying that to say do not celebrate this stuff without the knowledge that Everything is not as good as it seems. 6% unemployment is the lowest. 6.6% unemployed. Our, our unemployment is lower than it's pretty much ever been. Last year it was at, yeah, let me see. Last year it was at 5.7. No, I'm sorry. In May of 2018, it was at 5.7. So this year, a few months ago, 
5.7%. That was the lowest in hist- and since slavery, pretty much. We like The reason that that's nothing to celebrate is because that's still higher than the rest of the country. So how is it that there's this many jobs available? We have this amount of people unemployed. It, that just doesn't make sense. And we also have double. That means if they even wanted to get us to the same number as everybody else, just give that many people jobs. Like, what are you doing with six million available positions? Unemployed people that are part of the labor force, we have 1.3 million people that are looking for jobs but can't find one. But we have six million jobs in America available. Like, I, I'm, this, is, this shit blows me, man. That's the 1.3 million people unemployed. Those are free people. Those are people that are out in the world looking for jobs and can't find one. 1.3 million. 1.352 million. People, civilians out here in the world actively filling out applications and can't get anything. And then these people want to get on TV talking about, man, the economy is booming right now. You know, it's just it's not a flash in the pan. This is a real deal. We want to get some interest rate increases from the Fed. We want to do all this stuff. You know, right now you want to increase uh, retirement spending because, you know, pay is going up. And then why you got one point three million people roaming, roaming the country looking for uh, looking for work. And you saying that you have six million jobs available. I mean, it's even come on, man. Come on now. This is this is no good. This is no good. Like I, I just we have forty four million people, man. There is they say twelve million that's not in the labor force. I would say about a good two two million of those are in prison. Like, like, really? Let me see. So, yeah, man. It's all right. Sorry, I'm. I'm I slowed down because I started reading and whatnot. What about? Let's let's look at. Do they have Latino? No, they don't have Latino. They have Asian though. The Asian unemployment is three point four percent. You know, I mean, Asians. They have they have less than. 500,000 people unemployed like so that's another thing I wanted to get into this whole this whole this whole people of color thing has to stop it just has to stop like it it's not even about nothing but it just don't make sense it ain't even about yo they like to say the oppression Olympics or whatever like that. It's not that. It's just that it ain't the same. Like everybody want to act like they, they care about the facts and the stats. But then when the facts and the stats get brought up, then they don't care. Now it's, man, you just complaining, man. Just just all you got to do is get out there and work hard. Yeah, all you got to do is get out here and work hard. That don't mean you should be saying incorrect things, though. And then acting like it's statistics. Right? Why? Why? Is it why do we have a people of color charge going on right now? And well, white white unemployment is higher than Asian unemployment. Let's just put it like that. Like Asian people have more people per uh, more people percentage wise working than white people do. So they definitely shouldn't be considered part of the whole people of color struggle and all this type shit. Like it don't it makes no sense at all. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, his Hispanic people 
Latinos, they are included in the white joint. Yeah, they're included. So that means this whole 3.7% unemployment for white people, that includes the Hispanic 5% or, or 4 or something, 4.8% unemployment. That means their number would go way down if you take Hispanic people out of that. It's craziness, right? Yeah, so anyway, this whole, this whole you know, the people of color thing, we got to pump the brakes on that, man. We, we, you, just, you just have to. All right. I just I just wanted to put that out there because there's been a lot of reports, man. CNBC, they they out here, they on that shit. They're, they're telling people we got a labor shortage and we don't have the workers to do it. And this is this is how they do the trickery. They make you think it's okay for the people to be unemployed that are unemployed because they think well these a lot of these jobs are jobs you don't want to do. That's a lie. You know, unemployed black people turning down jobs. They don't have no problem going to a fast food restaurant. And working and sweating and smelling like grease, when they come home, they would not have a problem with some of the jobs that y'all have available in the service industry, service and hospitality. The problem is those companies don't want black faces being shown to their customers. That's what the issue is. You know, I had that situation kind of with my last job. They was they was trying to pigeonhole me into a position where, where I would be stuck in the back. Like I would never have moved up to becoming a sales type of person. Which would be face-to-face interacting with the customers. They don't want that because the, the salesman that comes to you and sells something to you is the face of that company. To the customer, that is the company. So however a salesman approaches you, that's how the company is approaching you. They don't want me down here in these construction uh, sites as the representative for a company with, with this white man's name on it. right? Because let me tell you, before I got my job, I looked up the, the man's name who started the company. And what I found, only thing I found was this article about the KKK. Now, it wasn't the man who hired me, but it was his dad. His dad is the one that started the company. His dad is the man that was featured in this KKK article. It didn't look like a newspaper article. It looked like the KKK news, and it was like honoring my man for being like a, a, a high-ranking member of the KKK. Because this is the thing. One time I had brought it up at work like, yeah, I looked them up and I found this KKK thing and everybody got quiet. So I'm like, damn, it must have been him. And these people must know about it. So I ain't say nothing else about it. I just knew like this is the thing. I don't be I don't be running from these people. Right. I already know that. I already know what we dealing with. We in the Confederate South. These people ain't let go of that loss that they took. So and. You know, they're just a little bit more blatant with it. I just know what I'm dealing with. So I say, okay, we're dealing with somebody that's part of this organization. Or I'm dealing with a family that comes from somebody that's part of this organization. So I know that when I get the opportunity, I'm up out of there. And that's what I chose to do. But I'm just saying, I, I know who I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with them. These people don't want you to be the face of anything they have going on a lot of times. Sometimes, yeah. But a lot of times they don't. So you have to use these jobs. <clears throat> excuse me. You have to use these jobs as stepping stones to your own goals. Don't just completely say, all right, these people are racist. I'm not dealing with them at all. Because then you can find yourself out here effed up. You can use them and get some of that money. And you got to soak up some of the game they give you. Because it is game. They, they still know business because they've been running the shit. Soak up that game and then use that as a stepping stone so you can 
set up your own platform, get your own name popping. You ain't got to run from no money, though. So so I forgot why I said that. But, um, yeah, that, that's just a quick little quick little story. But now, yeah, so that's the, that's the labor show of this thing I wanted to talk about. Now, I don't think I have any more news to get into. I will, and by the way, I'm still working on my, my research project. Now, I did want to, I wanted to get into something, right? Now, have you guys seen this this kind of echoing on Twitter that black women are always out on the forefront on the front lines fighting for black men that don't like them or don't care about them or don't support them or don't cherish them or don't appreciate them. Have y'all seen this, this rhetoric? Have any, has anybody else seen this narrative? This is mainly for my Twitter users. Now, Facebook, you know, Facebook is a little bit different. The people on Twitter, I know you have seen this. This is something I want to say. Now, it's not that the black men don't care about or don't love, don't support, don't appreciate the black women that are on the front lines. It's just that the black women who speak like this are using the black men that are like that as an example for all black men. Now, that's not why I'm bringing that up. I'm bringing that up because <clears throat> when you have like a, like a social war type of thing going on, We're in a situation where black women have to be the ones on the front line. And I'm speaking really to black women right now. Because black men, we know this information, but we don't know why. why. But anyway, I'm going to tell you why. Black women have to be the ones on the forefront. Ever since, ever since the Panthers, it's going to have to be Black Panther. Because pretty much ever since the Panthers... The the strongest voice that we have had pretty much has been Maxine Waters. I know some of y'all thinking like, no, we had Farrakhan, we had uh, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. No, Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson haven't done anything. Yeah, they had they had speeches. They gave some good speeches, but politically, I mean, politically, they haven't done anything for us. I mean. Since we haven't had much, we haven't had many changes since affirmative action politically, not positive ones anyway. As far as the leaders who are not actually politicians, Maxine Waters is pretty much the main voice that we've been having. I know my man John Conyers was was up in, in Congress trying to get some things happening, but then they end up finding out they had to get him out of there because they said he had sexually assaulted some people, so he didn't really get to change much. We had black men in, in powerful positions because their face was used, but politically, we didn't really get much from a lot of black men. I'm about to tell you why, though. We need it because <clears throat> black men are viewed as too dangerous. We are seen as too dangerous, meaning when we start to get too voicey and too powerful and too black, not not when we when I say black, I mean, let another Fred Hampton like you can't be that black and be a black man and survive 
on the rise as a leader. You can be somebody that might be homosexual and black man because they know that you are, as a homosexual, you're probably going to put your sexuality before your blackness if black people start attacking your sexuality. You won't put that to the side, which that's not your fault. I'm just saying that you will do it, though. Right. And we haven't even had many um, homo, uh, not that I know of any homosexual leaders either. So. Black women have to be the ones. The reason is because you get if you get another, let's just say Umar Johnson. Right. He probably was in the best position to become that type of person. Let's just say he wasn't on all the bull crap that he'd be on. And he was a straight lace. And he came up speaking the way he speaks. And they didn't. And nobody could find any dirt on him. Or nobody could like uh, put credit, put, uh, discredit him. It's very likely he would have been killed or put in prison. Very likely. And he probably would have just been killed. Because yeah they probably would have just killed him. Right. Any, any black man that has tried to come up and be the way that we think <clears throat> some of these women are being at the forefront of these movements, they will kill a black man for that. They'll allow, because they're so, they so, the, the dominant white supremacist society, they disrespect women so much, even when a woman is doing something powerful, they still don't take it seriously. Right? Which is why, even though we have a lot of women that are in the forefront of movements, we haven't been getting a lot done outside of social media. Like, yeah, they've been changing the narrative on social media. But when you look at society as a whole, shit still really is kind of the same for black people. No matter how many organizations we start and no matter how many marches that they do, when you look around at black life, it's still pretty much the same. Our income is still lower than everybody else's. Our unemployment is still lower. Our incarceration is still high, uh, higher than everybody's. Our student loan debt versus our income after college is still lower than everybody else i mean the ratio is still higher than everybody else's like things aren't really changing the reason things are changing is because we don't have people at the forefront that exert the kind of power that the people at the at the at the forefront of the attack against us will respect i'm not saying that the women in charge don't have power i'm just saying that they're in they're in the place that they're in because they're being allowed to be there and nobody's trying to kill them or nobody is killing them. When, when's the last, <clears throat> when is the last female leader of a movement, black female leader of a movement that has been shot or killed while acting as that, as that person or put in prison, <clears throat> not in jail for a couple of days and they got out. I'm talking about prison where they were sentenced and charged with some heinous crime. Like my man, Malachi Z York, which I ain't gonna say, you know, I'm not I'm, if he did the shit that they said he did, then I'm not rocking with that. I'm just saying Malachi Z. York is not that long ago. This ain't the 60s. They, they locked him up because he was he had a compound. And they say uh, he's doing a little bit too much. So they said he raped some kids. Those children came out later and said they were lying and they haven't let the man out. That's what happens when a black man is at the forefront of these movements. They are going to get you out of there because it's too much power behind that. So for the for the black women on Twitter who think, hey, man, we always in the front line and y'all ain't y'all ain't doing this and y'all ain't doing that. The reason y'all are up there is because y'all are the y'all are the number one weapon that we have that we know you can get the message out there and they won't they won't kill you. They won't attack your kids. Your kids won't start dying. Um, 
things like that. You, y'all are the ones that can do it without being killed or jailed. So y'all have to do it. And that's just going to have to be your job. I'm t- now, right now, like I said, I'm talking to the, to the hardcore activist people and the, the ones who are on this wavelength. If you ain't on this, this brainwave, you know, you can ignore this part right now. But I'm talking to those women. Y'all can't really complain about this, the, the, the position that you took as an activist. As an activist, this is your job. You're going to have to be the one because it ain't going to be able to be too many men like me next to you. Because that's we're going to take the whole thing down. I'm in the I'm I don't really like being on the forefront of nothing for real. So when you see like that's the reason I'm not even part of no like organizations. I never joined up with the gods. I never became a Muslim. I never became a Mason because naturally when I get into stuff, I kind of rise. I kind of float to the top. I don't want to do it. Because that that I, I don't want that. That's just not me anyway. I like to play the background. I like to give the information to the people that will go out and spread it to the to the right people. I'll teach the teachers. That's more of my style. So I'm not going to be out there on stage with nobody. You know, people like if if even if I was, let's just say the Black Lives Matter, you know, they call it an organizational movement or whatever. Let's just say the head of that was Umar Johnson, me and, you know, some some, you know, whoever, Sinetta or something like that. That shit would they would have killed us all, if we had a movement that big, with that many people backing it, or supporting it. And it was us three that that started that. They would have killed us. It wouldn't have been no question. It wouldn't have been like, oh, we 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 can't we can't handle this. We can't fit. We would have been dead. This is the reason why the the women. This is this is what y'all just gonna have to do. Not even that we they'd have put us in jail. It's like yeah we would have been in prison we would have been dead we would have you know that's just it so the people who find themselves at the head of these movements and you're feeling like man why do i have to do this why these men ain't stepping up why does it men have stepped up for a long time but they don't we get handled differently our flesh is treated a little bit differently than everybody else's flesh all right so while this whole team we working together we have to work together everybody needs to find their place i found mine Everybody got to find a place. Some of y'all black women, your place is at the front. Your place is just at the front. That's just what it's going to be. That's just how it's going to have to be. You understand? But it's going to have to be a collaborative effort. So you can't be like, wait, hold on. We in front. Y'all don't get to tell us nothing. We in the front. So y'all stay back there. Because when you operate like that, then we get in conditions that we in now. Well, we feel like we're making progress because social media told us so. When really, if you look around, ain't no progress being made. You understand? I'm, lo- I'm looking up some states, you know, where, where a lot of black people don't live at. Some of these states in America have like less than 20 children incarcerated. Like, you know, in these juvenile detention centers, some of them are less than, 20, less than 100. There are state facilities in black areas for, ch- for youth, like Juvenile detention centers in black areas that have hundreds of kids. But there's some states in America where mostly black people don't live that have 8, 15, 35 children in the whole state under government supervision for criminal behavior. 
That's what I mean when I say things aren't changing. They're still attacking people. Black women still die more than other women for, for with, with uh, breast cancer or even with, uh, with cancer. And they don't get cancer more than everybody else, but they die more. Black men still dying more from, from things that everybody else gets, but we get more than everybody else. It's just nothing's changing. So uh, I just wanted to say that black my, my my queens, the earth. Don't don't be so quick to be mad at your position. This is a position that is very necessary for you. I don't even think I got that many black women that listen to my podcast. I'm just saying, if y'all could get that message out there to the black women that lead things and complain about how black men are are playing a part in the leading of their things, just let them know. Y'all appreciate it. That's it's not all I have, but I just I just felt like I had to say that. I hope I didn't ramble too much. Hope I didn't ramble too much now. And along the lines of that, like I, I feel somebody else gonna have to help me out with this too, because I be having this struggle a lot of times. I have this struggle inside of me. This internal battle when it comes to things that pertain to the black community. Let me sit back in my chair. So I have this struggle. The reason I have this struggle is because I feel like a lot of times I'm trying to pass out info verbally. Or I tell people hit my phone and I talk to them one on one or whatever to my people. That, that I feel like we need this type of information because it will help us out. If you notice, I don't cite a lot of, I don't cite a lot of uh, sources that wouldn't be widely respected. When I cite sources, it's normally government statistics or a major survey done that everybody pretty much respects as credible. The reason I do that is because I want y'all to know it's not just me or anybody else from the from the woke the black woke delegation make it up numbers to to make an argument about what's going on in America. These are numbers that the wide society of America know. They all see it. I'm pointing it out to my people and this is the issue I have. The pushback I get is always from my people. So the struggle I'm having I'm like damn, like I really be thinking like damn, should I should I really be caring about doing stuff for black people? I really be thinking about that because I'm like, not even that I'm doing, I'm not Marcus Garvey. But I think about what I can do. I'll shop with black people as much as I'm like is now at this point. It's not even that that uh, it's not even, you know, I'm not having a hard time finding black people to spend money with. It's just easier to do it now. I'm in Atlanta. It's just way easier. When black people put books out, I'm getting, I'm trying to get it. If, you know, if I see something like a Ray J type thing, I'm trying to, trying to support that. If I, you know, I tell people, yo, if you want this book, hit me up. I got, you know, I'm trying to stream with the black people. You know, when I eat at restaurants as much as I can, I hit the, I hit the black ones in our little local area in Riverdale, you know, and then I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I got my articles of confederate. I mean, my articles of corporation, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to, to start my, my thing up. And I'm just trying to learn. So what I'm saying is. 
it what it bothers me because I'm looking around. I'm like, damn, yo. The only people who I care to help are also the only people that want me to stop talking about black uh, topics. And I'm just like, damn. I'm sure there are a lot of people who would benefit from or who would appreciate some extra knowledge from somebody with some extra knowledge. But it doesn't seem like. It's just that the negative voices are loud, man. <laughs> They're loud. And I ain't going to let it throw me too far off. But I'm just like, God damn, y'all be thinking like, you know how it's easy to just like worry about yourself. You know what I could do every day? I could like go and get myself like a video game or some shit and come home and play a game on my on the 65 inch TV in the AC every single day after work. I could do that. But that's, you know, I, I, first of all, I can do it. I can afford to do it. And I can afford to not do anything else because I have enough money going into my retirement money, my retirement 401k. And I make enough money to pay my bills. So I could just say, screw everybody else and just do my own thing every single day of my life until I'm 62 years old and then retire. But then I would feel like I'm, I would feel like a loser though if I did that. You know what I'm saying? I know some people be like, yo, why are you worried about, you shouldn't worry about nobody else, just worry about yourself. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't do that. Like, the only reason that I always felt like I want to be rich is so I can give more people money. Or I can give the people that I want to give money to a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? And not even just give them money, but that we, so that we can, I can invest in them, like, be like, all right, what's your dreams? All right, let's try to make that happen. Okay, you want to be a real estate developer? Let's make that happen. Oh, you want to start a furniture brand? Let's make that happen. You want to have your own museum? Let's make that happen. You want to be a big rapper? Let's make that happen. That's how. That's my main objective when it comes to getting a lot of money. That's the really the only reason that I care to get a lot of money, so that I could do that. Because by myself, I'm cool. Like, I'm super okay. You know what I mean? I'm not even by myself, but me and my family... We're okay. We have jobs. We're we okay. But I don't, I don't feel right thinking like that. I don't know how other people feel right thinking like that. Other black people anyway, because just because you might be doing good, you have family members that are not. You have a lot of, matter of fact, the, way, the things that we know about black life, the majority, almost all of your family members are not doing good. If you are. And if you're not doing good, you have a family member that is. And they don't have enough to help you out. That's just what this just statistics. We know this for a fact. If you are doing okay, 90% of your family is not doing okay. This is just what we know. So I don't understand how people can sit around and be like, nah, man, don't worry about that. Just worry about yourself. It's not okay. You 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 out here looking like food. That's why people get got as much as they get got. Because they only want to care about themselves. Now, you can go out here and live. You can live a full life and care about yourself. I'm just saying, I don't feel right doing it. So, for the people who don't think that I should care about anybody else, it's just not me. I have too many family members. And I just want to do shit with and for them so that they don't have to do things they don't want to do. That's just me. So... You know, that that's just the struggle that I, like I said, I'm having. 
because of that, because of the people who who be barking that like, yo, you always want to bring up race. You always want to bring up this. Yeah, nigga, because race matters. Yeah, I got a job. So you don't know nobody without a job. I know too many people in prison that I don't want to be in prison. So that's just, that's just the type of shit that I care about. I don't understand how you people get the way y'all get. And it be like, come on. I don't understand how some of y'all get the way y'all get, man. I really don't. I really effing don't. I, I'm going to get back to y'all on the next episode about the, um, about the, well, I, I asked y'all at the, at the beginning of the episode, you know, what, what's the opposite of fast? Some of y'all probably was like, duh, nigga, slow. And, you know, I just wanted to say everything in life is about perspective, Everything in life is about perspective. And you have to pay attention to what you're doing in life. Right? The opposite of fast is not slow. The opposite of fast is stop. Now, I'm only using that analogy or that not that analogy but that 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 statement or question because it's one that we a lot of us feel so confident that we just know like oh duh when you feel so confident that you just know something you don't really think about it so this is my call to focus I'm making a call to focus I want us to focus on what we're doing why is the opposite of fast not slow? Because fast is a perceptive term, meaning any movement can be considered fast. Meaning if you're moving at all, you can be considered to be moving fast by something. In comparison to something else, you can be considered to be moving fast. Meaning fast is an opinion. Only way to not be moving fast in some capacity is to not be moving. So that that's so when you when you focus though, you can see things that you think are simple. You can see them actually simple. So you know while you're going throughout your workday, <clears throat> you won't make simple mistakes about things that you feel confident about, or you won't find yourself in conversations or debates about things that to other people they see it and you're arguing something pretty stupid but to yourself you feel like you just know because and, and it's not that you can't figure it out you feel like you know because you think it's so easy you think it's too simple to to put thought into you don't want to use your frontal cortex you understand you don't feel like you need to critically think about certain things, but really, it's a war going on outside. No man is safe from it. You got to think critically about damn near everything. You feel me? You feel me? That's why some, you know, I felt like I needed to step back off the socials for a little bit because, first of all, people talk crazy. <clears throat> Secondly, I'm just on there um, joking, playing too much. I was on there. You know, I probably have to get back on Twitter. Just because I got to promote this damn podcast. We ain't getting like no listeners without me spamming this shit up. 
but uh, I still felt like speaking to everybody. But yeah, so you know, it's about focus, and I'm trying to you know get back into my. I'm kind of like doing multiple things right now because I told y'all I'm reading Damon John's book, Rise and Grind. I also started reading uh, Omar Epps's book, From Fatherless to Fatherhood. So I'm reading them both at the same time, and not even audio book, just you know reading them both back and forth you know i'm really trying to work the brain out work mine out anyway so i just wanted to make a call to action call to focus let's focus folks by the way before i go some of these hey i know y'all be do y'all listen to podcasts as much as me i listen to a lot of podcasts there's some whack podcasts out here man (laughs) like i know like i feel like Without the listens, like, I'm still, I still have a good podcast. Like, I'm talking about some shit. It's people out here that cannot have a podcast without guests on that joint. And then they be asking the boys the wackest questions in the world. Like, uh, I heard a podcast. The podcast I heard with um, Zaytoven on it where he explained his, um, how he was working in the barbershop. I'm like, and they in Atlanta, I think, too. I'm like, damn, this shit trash. I don't be liking a podcast that's like super structured, like the, you know, oh, well, now let's get into our question and answer segment. And then they ask a couple questions. Okay, let's get into our quick hits. Like that shit trash to me. I don't like that at all. Maybe it's because, you know, I mean, and I'm very structured in life, but when it comes to podcasting, podcasting to me should sound like a conversation for real. So, you know, all y'all with that, with that shit y'all need to stop or nope don't stop keep doing it because a lot of these people get more listens than i do i'm just saying this shit suck but uh or if y'all how about this if y'all like that let me know and i'll try to do it more you know i could come through with the segment you know the debate of the week i'm gonna start doing that too i'm gonna let i'm gonna let somebody call in and try to debate with me (laughs) we're gonna do a debate of the week we're gonna do a you know I feel like I got to be on social media to do that type of shit because, you know, that's where you see things like that, that people would care about. Anyway, though, man, if y'all do like that kind of structured podcast where you have different segments and you don't really stray away and you stick to a hard time, like we're going to just do 45 minutes and that's it. If y'all like that, y'all let me know, man. I, You know, I'm willing to shift and shape for the people. Y'all let me know. Get at me. Reg, R-E-G podcast at gmail.com y'all can also get at me at kilo underscore righteous on twitter yeah i mean get at me everywhere man if you see me in the street you don't know me i love music shout out to donald glover for them new joints he put out shout out to drake he about to be number one with this damn uh in my feelings song shout out to shiggy for helping make it number one with the shiggy challenge all y'all out there doing it in my feelings the shiggy challenge shout out to y'all also, Drake did a billion streams in a week. Shout out to him for that. Peace. <laughs>